Hello everybody and welcome to Over the Rainbow, an LGBTQ plus podcast dedicated to queer education and queer representation. I'm your host, Rachel Keatley, and I use she, her pronouns. Today's episode is the last episode of season one. So thank you so much for tuning in each week. I really appreciate your support. And what a last episode I have for you. Today, I'm talking to my friend, Nick Farmer, who uses he, they pronouns. Nick is the Liberation Officer for the University of Leicester's Students' Union and is also the trans representative for Black, a Black queer youth organisation here in the UK. They are also my friend and together we did an Instagram Live back in February all about navigating the global pandemic whilst being queer. So if you want to check that conversation out, follow the link in the show notes. But in today's episode, we are talking about the intersectionality of identity in terms of being Black and LGBTQ+. Nick shares some of the barriers and challenges that Black queer people face in society, and we explore these in depth, such as the right to travel, medical racism and transphobia, and finding a safe space to express your identities. Finally, they share some resources for Black queer folk, and we discuss what we can do to step up as allies. I learned so much from Nick, and I'm sure you will too. Right, let's get on with the show. second year in a row, the LGBTQ community and our allies will miss our pride parades, our festivals, and pretty much every community building event that we've come to rely on. But don't worry fam, we bring you the Pride and Joy Summit. Join us for community, learning, and connection in an affirming and loving virtual space. On day one, We'll bring together queer influencers and business owners from around the world for a day of inspiring the next generation of LGBTQ content creators and change makers. On day two is a day full of support and empowerment for LGBTQ families of all kinds, straight parents and community leaders. For ticket and speaker information, follow the link below in our show notes. Hey, hello, Nick. Welcome to Over the Rainbow. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good, Yeah. yeah. The sun is shining. It's not snowing. The bar is... It's pretty high today. I mean, uh, one day you look out, it'll be snowing, and then five minutes later, the sun's out. Like, it's it's a bit of an interesting weather we're having right now in England. I know. Love British spring. The best. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners name pronouns bit about what you do yeah um hello everyone my name is nick um i am um my pronouns are they he and i am currently in my last year of university studying psychology um i am the lgbt officer um for the university of leicester students union um, and next academic year, I will be the liberation officer for the Students' Union. Um, I'm also part of an organisation called Black, which is a um, organisation for Black queer youth led by the youth. 
Well, that sounds amazing. And I definitely think we'll be hearing more about that later today. So exciting, wicked. And I mean, the Liberation Officer stuff is very exciting. I remember voting for you as we have that University of Leicester connection. So very happy you got appointed. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, But before we get into this episode, uh, should we start by sharing something we've done this week to engage in queer activism or queer education? And if so, do you want to go first? No. No. Fair (laughs) enough. Shall I go first? Yes, please. (laughs) Absolutely. I loved that. That was just like, actually, you know what? No. (laughs) Love that honesty. I will go first. Um, So this week, um, I've hosted my second LGBTQ plus meetup online with my friend Lizzie Laws. Basically, we just, we felt like within our own lives, we're like, we just don't have enough queer friends or spaces to hang out with queer friends. And I know that that has been compounded by a little thing called coronavirus, but <laughs> we wanted, yes, it's cool, it's cool. Uh, we just wanted to create a space for queer people to connect and make friends. Um, so we had our second meetup on Wednesday. Yes, I know my days. Uh, and it's re- it's international, so there's people from America. We have people that are based in the Czech Republic. Obviously, there's us guys in the UK. And it was a really, really, really powerful space. So on Wednesday, we discussed things such as like growing up as LGBTQ plus around the world. We covered um, being trans and going through the journey of um, going on hormones. We discussed the murder of Dante Wright because one of my really good friends, Kiki, lives in Minnesota, obviously where that has happened. Um, so it was, it was really all really powerful, deep stuff, but we do also discuss more lighthearted topics such as our love of sharks and gay book recommendations. So we cover everything, literally everything. So if anyone wants to get involved, we hold these meetups monthly um, and I'll add the mailing list to the show notes because it's just a really fun space and it's gay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it honestly sounds amazing. I love how vast the topics are and just being in that space where you can just be yourself and just have people to talk to is so important. So yeah, so glad <laughs> you have that space. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so do you have your example of what you've done this week? Yes, um, my example would be um, there's a lot happening in Ghana right now. And in your last um episode um you uh, spoke with Aisha about everything that's been going on with um um Ghana and the LGBT individuals who live in Ghana and how it's just been it's been very tough um uh Aisha spoke about how the police raided and locked up the LGBT center in the capital city Accra um, and how there's been other stuff like um, 22 women were arrested um, because someone said that it was a gay wedding, even though they insisted that it was a birthday party. Um, and many religious groups from all over the country has basically demanded that government officials do something about it. And so um, I was researching just to find out what was going on um, to see what could be done. I know there is a um, fundraiser for the LGBT center in Ghana um but yeah it was just me just trying to gain more information about the situation which is so so important because I think often we get caught up in our our own little bubble our own little world and we think about 
our rights within the reference of the UK. And obviously we have a long way to go, but we're very, very privileged, aren't we? We have our LGBT centres to go to. Yeah. And you think about how progressive it was that a space like that even opened up in Ghana. And then within a week, it was it was a very short space of time. I think very believe it was space. within a week, gone. Yeah. And just the lack of safety for people right now. So I think it is really of critical importance that we do engage with queer issues globally. Yeah. And for me, it definitely is more of a soft spot because that's where my family's from. I'm Ghanaian. Um, and so when you hear about things like this, it really breaks your heart because it's like an extended family of people. Um, these these are my people and, you know, they, they can't be themselves in um, the places in which they live. So, you know, it is quite heartbreaking to hear these things. Yeah, I can only imagine. Do you have or will you be able to, before I publish this episode, send me the link for the fundraiser that's going on right now so that anyone who is able to help can hopefully do so even if people cannot help in a financial way because I know obviously that's not within everyone's remit but just learning about these issues sharing on social media would be incredibly important yeah yeah, yeah. I'll definitely do that yeah. awesome thank you um well that actually segues rather nicely if such a term can be used <laughs> into what we're going to talk about in today's episode which is the intersectionality of identity in terms of being black and LGBTQ plus. So hoping you will share your story coming out as LGBT and the intersections of these parts of your identity. And then we'll discuss some barriers and challenges that black queer people face in society. Uh, so to start with, you want to share a bit about you, a bit about your story? Yeah, definitely. Um, I came out pretty young. Um, I think I was about 14 or 15 um I remember hiding in my room and sending my mother a text on whatsapp just being like I'm gay <laughs> and then just hiding under the covers to the point I love it <laughs> literally <laughs> and like her running upstairs and like hugging me and being like it's gonna be okay don't worry I still love you no matter what and stuff like that and um it was in that moment, it felt like, you know, everything was going to be okay because you hear so much about Black people who are queer and their parents just aren't accepting. And um, things like being kicked out of your home and stuff like that and um, not having a place to live anymore just because of something that you can't control. It just is who you are. Um and so I was relieved in myself that that didn't happen, but it was definitely in the back of my mind um, that that could happen. Um, so that was with my mother. My father, he was um, very accepting again, so no issues there. But when it came to my grandmother, um, <laughs> that one <laughs> is, uh, was definitely a bit of an issue. She's very traditional, a very traditional Ghanaian woman. Um, and very religious as well and so this is definitely one aspect where race and queerness intersect because things such as cultures and religion when they come into play really it is it's not okay to be gay it's not okay okay to be LGBT in any sort of way and you have to live 
um, you have to live your life a certain way. There are agenda through the culture. There are gender roles that the expectations of how a woman is supposed to be and how a man is supposed to be. And if you don't fit those ideals, it is very hard. I remember things such as like I don't know the first time I cut my hair, my grandmother looking at me like do you want to be a boy why are you doing these things you know because the gender roles are just entrenched in the culture and stuff like that and I guess having to live with those constant remarks um of like I guess why aren't you participating in this gendered society in the way that you are supposed to <laughs> um and uh, either choosing to fight back or just to realize that it's not worth it because at the end of the day my grandmother as much as I love her she's not going to change the way that she thinks and learning to love a person from a distance because this is how they've been brought up their whole life and yeah so in terms of um tradition and culture that's definitely one way for me that I have seen um my my race me being black and my queerness intersecting um yeah no I think that's a really important point isn't it because I think certainly for me and for a lot of my LGBTQ plus peers that is something that we take for granted the fact that our whiteness was not necessarily something that was going to cause any friction when we came out as LGBT for me it was the intersection of the religion of my family so Catholicism as opposed to growing up in a British culture where absolutely there are traditional gender roles that we want to say and certainly within the older generations that is very entrenched but it felt like a safer space for me to come out and I think that that is something that's as I've entered the world of activism and learning about the intersections of identity learning about these things has been really important because we need to be culturally sensitive as well as being sensitive to people's queerness other people's identities etc exactly that and um as you were speaking it made me think about um the ideas of how I'm, I'm so grateful that um my parents are slightly more progressive and they're not as traditional even though my father was born in Ghana um I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that he is educated to understand you know um more about me as an individual and how some of the things that he learned back home on you know they're not values that he has to keep as an individual it, it made me think about there are so many individuals out there who one that when their parents or their, their family aren't accepting they practically in a sense can lose part of their culture and I saw this specifically from a TikTok it was um, an individual talking about this specific situation she I don't I don't think they long, no longer have contact with their family um, but once you've cut ties and you you've severed ties with your family there is that idea of you are now losing a part of your culture you're now losing a part of yourself because you're no longer allowed to participate in those things and I think that's something that many people don't actually think about comes with queerness and comes with being um, a person of colour and having parts of your culture that are, are very much entrenched to who you are and when you come out and you want to be yourself you don't realise that sometimes you really are cut off from those things and that can be really upsetting it can be it feels like a loss because in some parts you have lost 
a part of yourself, a part of your identity, because it is just as important. Sometimes it's just as important as your queerness. 100% a person is made up of so many different facets of their identity whether that is their race their religion their gender their sexuality they all come together and it's all very well and good and very um utopian that's what I was looking for it's all very utopian for us to think it doesn't have to be an either or you can be all those things in an ideal world absolutely you can be all those things and you can embrace all those things and other people will embrace all those parts of you too but currently in reality, for some people, that's not actually the case. And like you say, people feeling like they have to let certain parts of their culture go, their upbringing go. It's it's terrifying. It's scary because that is such an important piece of who you are. And it becomes an either or. It's like, well, which, which one am I going to choose to prioritise in my life going forward? And how can you possibly choose that how can you decide whether that's going to be your culture and the country and the family that you've come from or your gender or your sexuality I do not know how I'd make that decision and I know I'm saying that as a privileged person who does not have to make that decision but people are making that decision every single day exactly exactly right um in terms of you know being torn between your culture and your identity it can be so hard because when you are then trying to find those spaces in which you belong it's even harder because you can never really truly find your people in those spaces like for me sometimes I never truly feel comfortable in queer spaces and I'm having to I guess uh code switch and change parts of my identity and who I am just to make others feel more comfortable or never truly feeling comfortable in black spaces either because maybe they don't understand my queerness and they may be homophobic or transphobic and it's like dimming my light in a way in order to make other people feel comfortable and that is exhausting to be honest because it's like where exactly can you truly be yourself if not with the people who you are supposed to find community in. Yeah, I mean, wow, first of all, the way you put that was phenomenal, (laughs) like, but for me, it just, it raises two incredible points, is the fact that first, you feel like in the spaces of your identity where you should belong, so black spaces, queer spaces, you feel like you don't and you feel like you can't bring your whole self that has an impact on you and on other people every single day where you feel as you said dimming your lights you feel like you have to hold pieces of yourself back you can't be authentically you you can't relax in these spaces I mean that's just incredibly damaging and I'm sure we'll get into that in a moment but also the fact that other people in these spaces are I guess not pressuring because it's a sort of systemic problem. So it's not necessarily always an overt pressure. It's very covert and undercurrented microaggression sometimes. But the fact that people are potentially participating in this marginalisation is unbelievable, especially when we're talking about two communities from the examples you've just told, you've just shared that are marginalised. It's not like we're talking about the intersections of male and whiteness where you're you're very privileged in one of those two spaces. So it's often kind of easy to forget your privilege there and to marginalise. But when you are black or a person of colour, 
and or you're LGBTQ+, you know what it is like to feel unwelcome in spaces. So to say they're okay because they're queer, but ooh, the race thing, I'm not so sure. Or the other way around, I just smacked my microphone there. <laughs> Hopefully no one heard that. Um, apologies, I'm getting very passionate about this. But yeah, it's, it's something we all need to reflect on is what I'm trying to say, is how are we making these spaces welcome for all aspects of people's identity? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And which is why it makes intersectionality so important because it can be so easy to have the, you know, the mindset of, you know, oh, like if I'm in a, a black space and, or no, if I'm in a queer space and like, I don't know, there's some racism and stuff like that. I'm like, but why don't you understand you are a marginalized group yourself? It's that idea that if a person doesn't understand intersectionality and how based on the, the identities that you have, the discriminations that you face are different, to other people's discrimination it, it, it you you I guess you understand the mindset but then it, it makes you think you know this is where you need to do a bit more within yourself talking about them not me I'm good yeah. <laughs> you're perfect you're great <laughs> amazing <laughs> but like you know like they have to do the work within themselves to understand that you know just because they are um, marginalized, it doesn't mean that there are there are not other people, even within the community, that may be facing even more issues, even more um, discrimination than themselves. And I guess checking themselves, to be honest, checking themselves. Hundred percent. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say checking your privilege as an LGBTQ plus person. Yes, I am marginalized in that sense, but absolutely my life comes with a whole host of privileges and I better be making damn sure that I a recognize that understand that and I'm then holding space for people who are not as privileged as me and I'm not marginalizing people because I expect people to treat me equally despite of or because of definitely not despite of the fact that I am gay but it's like am I also doing the same for other people who have other sections of their identity that that are different to my own and this point on intersectionality is sadly despite the fact that we see the word everywhere now I mean it's been around for a long time but we see it everywhere it's still not something that people have quite got a grasp of or an understanding of on that deeper level other than to say oh yeah I recognize difference and other the multi-layered nature of, of identity and it's fine it's like well actually is it because if you are saying Nick that you're coming into queer spaces and you don't always feel safe within those spaces then there are still people that aren't truly understanding intersectionality yeah no exactly that it's sad if I'm honest it's not saying because it's just like I'm here to find my people I'm here to find a, a group of individuals who I can be myself in and if it's not in these spaces where is it and obviously that doesn't mean that um, there aren't going to be amazing allies who I can, you know, share that space with. But it is something, there's something about sharing space with people who actually share your experience that is so powerful. Like you said, your group, like I can imagine just being with those people, the energy in that room with just, you know, it, it, it there's something different. There's something magical if I'm honest um, about sharing those spaces with people who understand you 
Yeah, 100%. And presently, there aren't enough of those spaces for people whose identity intersects um, in those marginalised ways, spheres. It's Friday afternoon. I think what I said made sense. <laughs> um, cool, I got the thumbs up. Yes. Um, so within that, and the fact that there are still marginalised identities within marginalised identities, if we're speaking specifically today on the topic of being black and queer, what are some of the other barriers and challenges that black queer people face in today's society? I guess we'll be speaking here from a British perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can be frustrating um, just on the idea that you don't know whether a person is discriminating against you because of your queerness or because of the colour of your skin. And sometimes that can be hard. Like we've spoken about before with intersectionality, it's the fact that you have all these identities and you have specific types of discriminations um, against you. And when you are then facing those types of discriminations, it can be one, exhausting and draining, but also like, it's like, okay, what is going on here? Is it because of the color of my skin? Is it because I am queer or is it all of those things? Is it is it all of those things? And when though you're those you are facing those types of discriminations on a systemic level, and as we know, it's systemic is very hard to just break down just by having a conversation with one individual. It's a system. Um, it it it's it's hard. It's it can be frustrating. Um, another barrier I was just going to talk about was therapy finding an LGBT plus like affirming therapist that also understands what it's like to be black um, can be quite hard finding a queer black therapist can be quite hard and for me personally I remember when I was trying to find um, one yes I could find like a black therapist and um, it said that you know they dealt with these types of issues and that they were like an ally and stuff like that but it it's all good and well just writing those things but having an individual who actually is queer and black is really really important is really important and when it's hard to find that can be frustrating. I think that is such a good point because it speaks to so many things not just in relation to accessing therapy but in terms of when it comes to things like that you it does go beyond needing an ally because I could be the greatest ally to black people that ever walked this earth but if I have never walked in your shoes and I don't truly know your lived experiences in an intimate setting such as therapy you are going to need someone who truly relates to that aspect of your identity and when we're talking about intersecting marginalized identities I mean the pool of people just becomes smaller and smaller and smaller doesn't it and if we're then talking about systemically the fact that businesses corporations society is not creating spaces for black queer people to be in these businesses and in these spaces you're even less likely to find someone you need exactly Uh, that's why like I'm so grateful that there are these organizations out there who are trying their best to accommodate to black queer individuals in terms of their mental health and stuff like that and I will list some later um but it's just frustrating I guess but at the same time the fact that people are putting in the work to um, find these spaces for black queer individuals is just as good because it's a start a beginning is better than nothing 
completely yeah and it's not enough for us to say oh there are like spaces for lgbt people to go for therapy there are spaces for black people to go to therapy we're done it's fine it's like well well no we need to make sure we are covering every single person's identity even if there are only three people in the entire world that meet in specific intersections of like 20 different marginalized identities i mean there won't just be three people but you know i'm exaggerating here but even if there are only three you need someone who is able to help those three people it is no longer enough in the world to do a tick box approach in a way that doesn't overlap in the different intersections of identity because then you're not really meaningfully including everyone but like you said progress is being made we are starting to see black queer businesses being championed certainly not enough but it's slowly it's slowly coming we're getting there (laughs) exactly we're getting there which is great are there any other barriers and challenges you want to mention yeah the right to travel so um this idea of like just going on holiday um for some individuals yeah that's cool you just book a holiday and you think about yeah let's go here but when you are a queer black person it is you know you have to think about these things and not even oh um is it illegal to be gay in this country or do are they affirming to lgbt people it's do they like black people as well or like what are the experiences of black people in this country who live there and stuff like that and having to having to look at these things um just to go on holiday is it's interesting because it's not something that I think a lot of people who aren't within this marginalized group of being black and queer would think about um that these are two barriers that you are then having to look at um in order to go on holiday um also medically um obviously there is medical racism systemically um but the idea that then when you add in queerness to that and maybe gps gatekeeping certain things i mean i could go on and on about trans rights in this country right now and (laughs) 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 angry noise (laughs) yes um but like adding medical racism and how black individuals are not believed by their their doctors and the people who are supposed to be advocating for them and um now adding that aspect of queerness and specifically for me from a trans point of view when i thinking about transition and uh, maybe gender affirming surgeries and having that idea that there are individuals who are gatekeeping um healthcare to trans individuals is frustrating to say the least. And especially when you think of it from the very simple standpoint that most of these people who are in charge of these areas of healthcare and medicine are cis, they're cisgendered. And you are making decisions for trans people. Now, I don't know what in any other world that would be okay for you to make a decision for someone that you aren't even a part of you're not a part of their identity but this is the way it is and that in itself is a whole other topic that definitely grinds my gears but it, it's something there that you can see is another barrier faced by queer black individuals who are trying to access medicine and not only or healthcare and not only the barrier is maybe because of the color of their skin but also because of their queerness 
that in itself is quite frustrating. Um, lastly, um, microaggressions. Microaggressions don't only come in the form of racism and small comments like, oh, I don't know, like, is that your real hair or something like that? But like being a queer individual, you also get hit with heterosexism, maybe not being gay enough or, you know, are you sure you're really queer? Those count that is subtle part, subtle bits of discrimination and um, are definitely barriers faced um, within those intersectional within that intersection um, and can affect other things such as like I don't know dating dating within the queer community and the racism within the queer community and when you're getting hit with microaggressions from the people that you are supposed to be um, having romantic relationships with or just building friendships um, that can be hard within itself because it then I guess lowers your dating pool um, once we what we spoke about before was the um, the idea of finding your family and finding those and having to choose sometimes between your queerness and your your race and dating kind of highlights highlights that 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 like there are there's within the LGBT community there is still racism and um, what am I trying to say Rachel people are assholes <laughs> in short I, I mean yeah I, I didn't want to say it like that but yeah like people are annoying and I wish more people would just learn or check themselves once again just checking themselves in every other way and kind of dismantling everything that they've been thought and just just really thinking oh but why do I think this why why is this the way things are like I, I think I, I don't want to get into a rant but just the idea of like, there are so many people out there who are completely okay with like how life is and just being a cog in the machine, God, I sound mad. But like, just the idea of just like, they're okay, they're fine. And I mean, yeah, we can talk about privilege, but then other individuals who are marginalized and they're very okay with just, life is good and I understand not everybody is an activist and being an activist 24 7 I don't think it's sustainable or efficient in any other way and we must you know advocate for self-care so I will preface with that but the idea of just being like yeah everything is fine in the world and not being like this isn't right you know it just it baffles me sometimes yeah me too but I think it comes back to what you said about the relatability and if people can't see themselves being affected by it then it it doesn't matter to them so people who advocate for lgbtq plus issues but not but don't join the black lives matter movement is because it doesn't affect them and they don't they they don't put themselves into circles of other identities or they the circles they're in are just other people who look sound are the same as them etc there's no need or drive for people to challenge the status quo of their way of life and everybody needs to do it even if you are from marginalized communities or you're from especially if you're from very privileged communities everyone still needs to be challenging the status quo because there will be areas of your life where you hold certain amounts of privilege or you hold certain opinions that 
do need to be challenged. And like you said, it comes down to the gatekeeping. So the gatekeeping with healthcare, the gatekeeping in terms of dating, some people are okay, but others aren't. And it's this constant judgment of otherness of people's identities that do not concern you. So to give the example of the doctors who are cisgender, making decisions on other people's gender identity it's like what place do you have to do that or lgbt people making decisions about people's race when they are not white and it's like what right do you have to do to do that what lived experience do you have that gives you the right to do that spoiler none is the answer (laughs) exactly (laughs) just in case anyone didn't know the answer to that one (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that but it's having these real world effects. And when you said, I don't want to get into a rant, it's like, please do, because these are things that we should be ranting about. You should not feel like you need to sit down and be quiet or not take up too much space with these issues because these are the issues that we need to be taking space with because they're affecting you and other people every single day in every single space whether that's travel, whether that's healthcare, whether that's dating, whether that's going to university, going to buy a coffee, walking down the street, it's affecting you every time you leave your front door. And even when you don't, it's online because we live online as well. Yeah, exactly. And even like, I guess, preparing for this podcast and stuff like that, I was really of the mindset that, yeah, I must get stats. I must talk about this, and you know, be as informed as possible. But like, I, I keep using this word, but it really is the idea of like exhaustion of like, why do I have to bring factual evidence to show you that being a black queer person, let's say specifically in Britain, is really hard. And there are so many obstacles against us. I shouldn't have to come with evidence to explain to you the things that are going on. I shouldn't have to, you know, come with empirical facts and articles on my day-to-day life. Like, I shouldn't have to be explaining to you what it's like to be a Black queer person and the obstacles we face. It should just be, this is what is going on. So listen and let's do something about it and when we speak listen so that we can get the ball rolling okay it may not affect you but even though it may not affect you you may be part of the problem and so once again checking yourself it it is it's about checking yourself and I just I guess these last this last year or whatever has been a lot it's been rough so much has happened for the black community for the queer community And it can be really hard to constantly stay online and feel like you have to, there's, there's, I guess there's push and pull between how much do I stay online and how much do I actually give myself a break and a rest from this? Because you're also trying to be informed. It's this vicious circle of like trying to be informed, not really wanting to trust the, trust is the wrong word, I don't want to say anything too controversial. Um, (laughs) It's all right, um, we won't get told off, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Just the idea of wanting to trust the people who are actually on the grounds rather than these massive media um, corporations who are, may have an agenda sometimes. Um, 
and that can be hard and you can you know you can burn out and you know I, I guess I'm using this opportunity to say that like sometimes it's okay to log off it's okay to not be an activist 24 7 and even though you want to stay informed like it's okay to take a break because not being an activist for like 24 7 is part of your self-care it's the thing that keeps you going and to find the people that make you feel good because I mean we're talking about the barriers and intersectionality of being black and queer but there's also so much joy I don't want to forget the joy I don't want to forget the things that make us amazing the the things that we have from being black and queer we would not have anything such as the ballroom scene or voguing if it wasn't for black queer individuals in New York like the the culture that we get the culture that we have as black queer individuals is so rich and it's important for me to take this time to highlight that even though there are so many things that are can be worrying and can affect us on a day-to-day -day basis there is still so much positivity and joy and love that we have and that we can share and contribute within our community um yeah so don't forget that we are amazing I'm specifically talking to Black queer people now. So, hey, Black queer people, listen, um, we're amazing. Um, you are amazing. You're wonderful. And I don't want you to forget that your light will forever shine if you remember who you are. That's just my little bit. <laughs> I actually have shivers, but thank you for that. Because honestly, that is so, so important because this is the message you get, isn't it? When you feel like you have to be an activist for your identity I mean that's just ridiculous in and of itself but the grind the dailiness the 24-7-ness of it can make you forget actually how freaking amazing it is to be you to be black to be queer and when the world is telling you that your difference is not okay but they're taking parts of your culture that suits them like voguing I mean, there's too many things to list and they're taking them and they're saying they're okay, but now we're going to take credit for them and we're going to use them for our agenda. I mean, God, that is why it must be so hard to embrace and remember how incredible you are. So I actually think within activism and allyship, which is sort of what we're segueing and talking about, that's something that we need to also remember to do is whilst we're also fighting the shit we need to be celebrating the wins and the culture as well. Exactly that, exactly that. So within that, allyship for black queer individuals is something that is incredibly important to me. It should be incredibly important to everyone, but how can people be allies to black queer folk if they aren't already? Yeah, one of the first things I would definitely say is listening. Listening is one of the most important tools um, to being an, um, an ally and not just listening, but active listening. Listen to us when we're speaking. Um, we're not just chatting for chatting's sake. Like we have things to say and we have an experience that you don't, is not lived by you. And so it is very, very important that I think essential to being an ally is um, listening to those who are speaking um, and knowing when something is not for you. 
So maybe, I don't know, in terms of work and stuff like that, there may be a piece about Black queer individuals, but you yourself are not a Black queer individual. In moments like this, this is where you pass on, I don't know, a piece of work. I understand everyone needs to make money, but to be for it to be authentic these are moments where you pass on that to someone else who you know is black and queer and can actually write whatever it is or do the piece of work for um from an authentic point of view and um that's really important um oh i have a great resource um in terms of how to be a great um ally um from stonewall so i will include that um, Rachel can put it in the little podcast bio. notes. Do my magic. Yep. Share podcast it on uh, support Saturdays. That's what we like to do. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, the only thing I have was that allyship thing. Um, I couldn't really find anything else. I'm sorry. No, I mean, beyond that, a great place to start for people are just engaging with black queer content creators work so mm. following black and queer people reading books by black authors by black queer authors of which I know there are some so I will also link those to my bio on my feed I'm working my way through them I have so many books to read I need more time I'm going to give up the PhD I'm not going to give up the PhD but I wish I <laughs> I just need to read. I've just not got enough time. <laughs> but yeah, there are it is out there, isn't it? And it's about really engaging and doing that work because actually something that you said in terms of not only actively listening, because I think that is a really important point, but also doing the work yourself, not expecting black queer folk to take up time to teach you. It's fucking exhausting. <laughs> Yeah, you said it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just, yeah, wanted to summarise it succinctly for my yes. fellow allies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. I, I couldn't have put it better myself. Thanks. Yeah. I try. <laughs> uh, also, because obviously we're talking about allyship, but we have been speaking to Black queer people today. Do yeah. you have any resources and support services for Black queer folk themselves? I do, of course. So um, first off, we have the African Rainbow Family, which is a charity dedicated to supporting LGBTQ plus people of African heritage, um, which also includes refugees and those seeking asylum. Um, I know that they do also um, do, um, support people of color as well. Um, we have AZ Magazine, which is a mag magazine which addresses issues faced by LGBTQ plus people of color. They're absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, they have an Instagram and stuff like that. So if you type in AZ Mag, I think they're there. Absolutely amazing. We have Exist Loudly, which is an organization founded by Tanya Compass, which is dedicated to creating spaces of joy for queer black young people. Um, yeah, Tanya's amazing absolutely amazing um there's the black trans foundation which um is a foundation basically dedicated to supporting black trans people i know that they do have a therapy fund um which i do believe that you can sign up for from their mailing list currently um so they can look at how many people um do need 
um, therapy who are black and trans so yeah black trans foundation I think you can find them on Instagram and Twitter there's the black trans alliance and they aim to support black trans people in London um, great organization and the last organization I have for you cheeky plug is black um, which is an LGBTQ plus organization led by young people I am the trans representative for black um and we have recently stuff that we do is like we've recently sent out care packages to queer black youth which had like essential items um food snacks that type of stuff just because you know lockdown has been hard and there have been some some individuals who have been you know struggling and we thought we'd take it upon ourselves to you know provide for them so that's kind of the, um, the things we do we also do like socializing and stuff so you can find us on instagram at black uk that's b-l-a-q uh uk and we are on twitter as well awesome i mean i love that blog because that organization sounds absolutely incredible and I think what's important to say is that these organizations are for allies to go and support too in whatever way you can whether that's following sharing their content donating financially if you can donating your time if you can because the work they're doing is absolutely fantastic and if we all share it then it reaches everyone then who need these organizations that's it that's exactly it Amen. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for today and for sharing your story, sharing the barriers and challenges that Black queer folk face in society. I know that this is a hard topic to talk about. I know it's important to talk about, but equally, I know it's, as you've said, exhausting when it's your lived experience. So I really do appreciate you taking this time. And hopefully we've given people many a good pointer to check themselves, to think, to reflect and be better allies yeah exactly yeah and you know thank you for having me um I feel like this is an amazing space that you've created um just to you know talk to individuals about their experiences and stuff like that so I'm very honored um to be one of your guests <laughs> honestly thank you thank you please it's I am just the facilitator <laughs> so well you're you. amazing at it so oh, thanks <laughs> Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Hey everyone, this is just a message to say that the weekend of the 22nd to the 23rd of May, the Pride and Joy Foundation are hosting an LGBTQ plus family and influencer summit. Over the two days, there will be an amazing collection of talks with guest speakers such as Jenna Slaughter and Rocio Sanchez, who were both on the podcast this season. So if you want to check out their episodes and see what they're about, please do so. The event is covering a range of topics such as coming out, exploring your gender, dating, family life and finance and much, much more. Tickets are $45, but if you sign up through the link in the show notes, you'll get $10 off. And if you're in the UK, that makes it about £25. So really a great price. I'm really, really excited for this event. So I hope to see you all there. If you have any questions, please feel free to message me. Thank you so much for listening today. New episodes are available every Wednesday, so please do download, share, and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. If you have any questions or feedback, please contact the podcast on social media. We are on Instagram at at underscore over the rainbow podcast, Twitter at over rainbow pod, and Facebook 
at Over the Rainbow Podcast 13. Have a queer week and I'll see you next Wednesday. <laughs>